Imagine somebody comes into your house and lives in your house, steals your whole house. And one day he's only occupying half of the house. And I tell him, what's the, okay, now what do we do? He needs to leave the other half of the house. And he's like, yeah, I need the whole house. Maybe not the people, but the government or everybody, they have to decide what does it mean to be an Israeli? You know, that, that's the true question. And then he looks at me straight in the eye and he says, Rafael, like, it's so hard to detect non-Jews these days. <laughs> Welcome to Yoel's Hangout Podcast. I'm your host, Yoel. We got a special guest here today, Raphael. Am I saying that right? We, yeah. we just had a yeah. take that didn't that I wasn't recording, so I'm going to say the same things and no we're going to do our best job to act and pretend like it's my first time introducing him. But uh, yeah, Raphael. Yeah, so uh, Raphael, when uh, here in, in Israel, we say Raphael for the Hebrew and Raphael in Spain and in France. So yeah, that's, got it. That's I love difference. I love the uh, the the accents, uh, but we have a lot of good topics coming today. Um, he he's living here in Israel. He's actually not Jewish. He, he you do look Jewish. I don't know if anyone's told you that. Maybe I've been told uh, a couple times. Yes. Yeah, and um, so yeah, he's gonna give his perspective on being here and not being Jewish. Um, he's a, also a French teacher. He's gonna go into uh, archaeology here pretty soon. So a lot of things on on his plate. So a lot of interesting perspectives. So. You know, let's uh, let's hop into it. Uh, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for your time, Yoel. Thank you for this podcast. Um, this is a great opportunity for me to talk about the journey, coming here, getting here, uh, working here. Um, so I work uh, right now. I just finished my uh, my volunteer. It's a volunteer job. I'm sent by the French government. Oh before wow! Before that, before that, I was doing uh, an art school. Got a degree uh, in the east part of France. At the same time, I got involved in politics, ran for mayor of a small town called Epinal, about 30,000 people. Uh, after that, there was COVID. That mm. kind of changed the whole situation for me. Wow. Ended up going back to my parents and going to a communication school to work in different types of businesses on their brand management, basically. And I was always interested in Hebrew. Seven years ago, I fell in love with this language when I stumbled upon a French Hebrew dictionary at the American church in Paris. So I got involved in a little, you know, little, in little bits, got involved and went to Ulpan, started learning and thought to myself, this is just magnificent. I need to come here. I need to live here, even though I've never spent a day here. And I moved here with this volunteer uh, job. It allowed me to have free housing. Uh, for just this one year, got into a program for archaeology at the University of Tel Aviv, and that's going to allow me to continue on that passion uh, about this land and its and its people and the different, you know, and the different stories that you have here that you know that we all share and the three, the three main stories of you know the book, the Bible, and then you Tanakh, and then you have what the Christian world say is the New Testament, and then with Islam with the Quran coming from that ancient history got it yeah no that's super uh <clears throat> that's interesting that's funny i just met a archaeologist ironically um what is kind of so, something that either you want to discover or like what set you on that path of archaeology love of history uh love of the the story that we tell ourselves and 
let's say the Bible for a lot of people, you know, could be something that you worship. But for me, it's a GPS. Um, sometimes the GPS is not exactly accurate on all the historic events. Uh, that's why you need archaeology to bring about a new understanding of the text um, and put it back into its context and to understand that, look, I mean, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Stuff happens in life. You end up here. You end up on a journey. Uh, I got put into a situation where I was looking for a job here and I couldn't find a job. I'm going to go into that later, but basically speaking, doing studies is a way to continue to be here and to, you know, keep on being an active member of the society by, you know, showing your love and support for the country in that way. So yeah. that's my path. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I think uh, for me, I, I mean, I take it for granted. I took Upon with uh, with a ton of different people with different situations. Either they were a, a spouse of a diplomat or, you know, something like that. And for me, you know, I can I'm a citizen. I'm a citizen of the U.S. too, which, you know, took a while to get. Um, but it's something that, you know, I definitely now I don't take for granted. But I because I realized it's kind of it can be kind of an issue to get um, having he's getting Israeli citizenship and then also. Um, getting U.S. citizenship if you're from Israeli, like doing that. I mean, obviously that's not your situation, but just being able mm. to have that flexibility, I think, is like something that I, that I, you know, take try not to take for granted. So that's cool that you're, you know, doing what you can to to stay here. You you mentioned that you did um, you were running for for mayor. What what kind of got you to do that? I was in a I was in a the political opposition of the of that city. Uh, there was a team that got set up. Uh, with somebody that ended up dropping out of the race. It was January... How big is the town, by the way? Epinal, 30,000 people. Okay. It's the east part of uh, France. Um, and uh, it was a great experience because I ended up in a situation where the main candidate that I was going to support declared his candidacy and ended up dropping out completely just few weeks late you know few weeks after that announcement part of his team uh wanted me to go take his place hmm. why did he drop out he dropped out because he just didn't feel that there was um that many votes out there mm, okay. and he was getting into a lot of financial uh issues because you know it costs a lot of money to raise you know raise that much money get that much money on the table to do a proper campaign and he was just not feeling it because in france if you don't get a certain threshold of 5%, uh, it's game over. You mm. don't get reimbursed by the state and you get you have to pay all those uh, expenses. Mm. Dang. Dang. Okay. So you just you were just like I, you know what? Let me just this guy dropped out. Some guy was like, "Hey, you want to run for mayor?" and then you're right, just like, "Sure." Right. Pretty much. Um it was not my initial idea to run for mayor. What ended up happening was that there was a vacuum that was left. I mean, there was a space okay. for us. And my message was Why not? mostly about the climate, mostly about, you know, what we could do to make the town more pleasing, more, as you know, aesthetically pleasing, and also help the young people stay and see that their town was doing something about climate, about mm -hmm. the climate, and try to keep those young people to create businesses, create activities in the city because they were just leaving in mm. droves, you know? And being young and having a lot of people from my team who were actually the kids of other people on the other teams, 
Mm-hmm. So it was a you know a generational moment. Interesting. And back in 2020, had a lot of um, of uh, climate walks. A lot of people were were marching for the climate with a lot of um, generational, let's say, um, one generation versus the other. And we tried to minimize that by having all sorts of people from all backgrounds and all ages. Mm. So there was not just young people against more um more senior members climate is climate a big i would say it's something that people in america kind of care about but is it a big deal in france like do people even young people are like yo the climate i don't care about this issue this issue like the climate's my a1 the issue is that uh, we are living in a situation where you might have people marching for the climate but then they're looking for the best um flight out to <laughs> Spain or, or anywhere. A little bit of, hip- of hip- hypocrisy. Yeah, because in the end, um, we we do care. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of initiatives that exist, and and we are a very we are a very good country on um, on the on, on the weight of carbon. We're mm. very good. We're very efficient with our energy, with our with our train systems. Look, I mean, when you live in Israel, you understand that it's just there's no possibility to go around as much as you would do in France with the train system they have in mm. France, with the infrastructure. It's just way different. Mm. I've never been so. Um, you should definitely visit and, and see the infrastructure because you're gonna you're gonna think, oh my goodness, we're doing it all wrong in America. We're doing it all wrong everywhere else. Oh, I know and, America's doing you know, it wrong. <laughs> so there's a lot of positive that is there and. The, the main thing is that um, we need to radically change uh, our view on, let's say, um, uh, like a meal, a standard meal. You're going to have less beef in that meal. You're going to have less options. But you need to find new options that are sexy enough for people. Yeah. Um, one, one lawmaker back in France, um, his name is Mathieu Ferland, um, couple years ago suggested that you should definitely start making green options more sexy and so if you have a bunch of commercials making the latest um big mv super sexy super interesting you know super um popular then it's not that you know popular and there's a kind of myth that you can make the climate popular enough that people are going to change their ways when tough you know it's tough because you got to put the price you got to put the effort you got to put that energy and people don't want to do that first step but once they make that first step then it becomes easier yeah you got to go through that first step and then you start realizing oh we can have a vegetarian meal that is an option every monday and you would not have fish or 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 meat during that that day in in french schools you could implement more cohesive uh, plans and laws. Because honestly, at the end of the day, we got locked up two months uh, because of COVID, right? Yeah. So when we were talking about personal freedoms, look, we, we are capable of going really far in terms of getting, to, get to, a, to, to get to a space where we're protecting our citizens. And climate change is the major issue, the major issue for the kids of tomorrow and their kids. Because we're leaving them with the debt of all of our consumption and all of our standard of living. So there you, there you go. Yeah. I think uh, it's a tough one because you, you want to 
it's all about like like i think i think of it also as allocation resource allocation too right you know you have a group of kids you have a group of people and the government hasn't had like an, an incredible history of, of philanthropy of looking out into the future so i think like a lot of people i can speak for americans because you know i, I grow mainly in america um their cynicism and lack of trust for the government has them extremely like apprehensive to you know embrace any sort of laws to course or mm. realign their behavior or you know require additional tax or you know having you know just things like that so i think like there's a little bit of that especially after covid you know the the, the whole thing with covid is you know a lot of businesses shut down you know it, it, it's locked people in the house in their house um so i think in america i can speak for americans their trust is not really there and 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 i think but doing it how you're saying is like hey how about we make it more sexy how about we market it better how about we you know at least do the things that we can do every day that doesn't really hurt us that doesn't deviate or like really making us go out of our way but still is able to make kind of an impact so that makes sense here um now i mean i'm not involved um anymore with those uh with those movements as much uh, because i'm here and i'm pas i'm passionate about hebrew passionate about the story of this land and, and its people and passionate about the complexity that you see every day here uh the identities that you know they grow here the the stories that grow here the origins of uh, people they're uh, the divides here, the dualities, and, and you start understanding that um, there's no one country, there's multiple ways of looking at this same country, and in a way, it's still a work in progress. Um, with the demonstrations that we're seeing right now in Israel, with all the political crisis that this country is going through, it might be an opportunity for the country to be able to define itself with a proper constitution and something that will definitely put at ease um, the country in the end. So I'm hoping for that. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hopeful that there's going to be a situation where um, these brothers, because the Jewish nation is a nation of brothers, uh, will be able to come together. And also be able to include the non-Jewish members of the Israeli society. And that's a point of, you know, of, of issue and a lot of people here. So uh, with the yeah. conversations I've been having, uh, it's, it's, um, there's hope, but there's also a lot of dark stuff that people are thinking about because there's dark clouds ahead uh, and, and we don't see the end of the tunnel here. Yeah. No, definitely. I think that that's that's an interesting point. Like, it's funny. That's one of the things that I was telling uh, that we were talking about in a previous one with previous podcast, which is, you know, Israel's in a in a good place where it's at least malleable enough to do something really good and do something really good relatively fast. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in the U.S., you know, it's such a big machine that once it starts going downhill, you know, fast, it's tough to undo it. It's tough to slow it down. Israel's relatively young. It's rel relatively agile. So, I, I'm I'm fairly optimistic, and I think for 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 people that live here, they have to decide what maybe not the people, but the government or everybody. They have to decide what does it mean to be an Israeli. You know that that's the true question. 
does it mean you're you're you have to be Jewish to be an Israeli? Because you know that that's not the case. Because you know you have Arab people that have been here since day one. I mean, we're in Jaffa right now. I mean, I haven't had I haven't seen a Jewish person in, in the last like five minutes from on my way here. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a tough one. It's complicated, as you said. So I think they yeah. I think they should, in my opinion, embrace it kind of like, you know, a little bit like the U.S. where it's a melting pot, but still have you know, a vetting system to make sure that, you know, people come here properly, ethically, you know, with the resources, a foundation, and they, you know, uh, what do you call it, assimilate to where they're, they're not struggling. You know, what do you think? I, I, um, there's a, there's a, there's a struggle for power right now. Um, there's definitely people out there that want to push forward a, a, a more religious state, a more, a more, um, let's say, a more closed-off society to homogenous, right? More homogenous and 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 look, I mean, I've been in these conversations before because I go to I go to shiurim uh, Chabad, I go to different shiurim with different rabbis, I I interact with a lot of people who go to these shiurim, and what um, because I'm learning, I'm going through a process. And, you know, I can learn as much from a, a guy, uh, a guy telling me this is all BS and somebody telling me, no, the other guy's saying BS and you're still learning. I'm here to learn. I'm here to listen. And the funny thing is the, one of the first shiurim I went to, I didn't say anything. I just went, uh, put on a, a kippah and listened. And one guy just kind of wanted to talk to me. I don't know why, just particularly me, and asked me about a business uh, situation, business partner he has outside of Israel. And he was like, I don't know if I can trust this guy. And you I said, said that? No, who? he said that. Hmm. He said, I don't know if I can trust this guy. Um, so I said, has he been doing anything particularly sp- suspicious or acting in a certain way or saying something, you know? And he's like, I don't know, because I, I feel like he's talking to me as if he was Jewish, but he's probably not. So I'm not sure if he's trying to play me. Then I said, what's wrong with that right now? What's the situation for you? Did, you know? And then he looks at me straight in the eye and he says, Rafael, like, it's so hard to detect non-Jews these days. <laughs> so wow. I'm just sitting there thinking, okay, so I'm not going to bring that up. <laughs> and... <laughs> And uh, another time I had a guy say, we need to close. You're like, yeah, man, these guys, you know, they'll, like, they'll, they'll no, just be sitting like, at no. the kebab with the, with the kippah on it and you wouldn't even know. Like what, what's going on is that sometimes you'll hear things and think, wait a minute, that person is voting and that person wants this to happen. And you can hear at one point some guy say, I think we need to close down all churches. Hmm. And that's one guy. And the rabbi is not, in, you know, he's not intervening or he's not saying anything about it because that's on the religious side. That's a personal uh, belief. You know, that's a personal thing. Uh, the state will never allow that. The state will never allow uh, people right now to pass legislation to discriminate upon one group. That's not happening in this democracy right now. But you still have a lobbying force that is there, that is consistent, that is waiting, that is waiting for an opportunity to create a state that is going to be definitely more religious than democratic and and take away rights. And now, 
uh, how much of a danger that poses, I don't know. I'm not sure. And I, I, I just see that as a situation where they believe that um, Christians in Israel are a threat to, uh, to, to them. And in a way, they're not completely wrong because um, Jewish people have been attacked and persecuted by Christians for the past 2,000 years. In France, you had a lot of people who would say, a peuple décide, a people that killed God. Mm. That's what some people would refer to yeah, them. Like they say, like the Jews killed, or the, the Jews killed the Jews, Jesus. Yeah, so there's yeah. a lot of that. And I understand the fear and the frustration of having people that you know will preach uh, the gospel in Israel, and, and they see that as a threat, as an existential threat. Yeah. Now, does this mean that Tomorrow, there's going to be uh, fights between these groups. No, but you see tensions. You see tensions in Israel with uh, lately a couple situations that happened in Jerusalem. Now, I'm on a personal uh, quest for me. I'm not looking to get anybody involved in my questions and my belief and my... Because my belief is still growing. Like, I'm not... I believe in God, but I'm not... Um, I'm open to new realities and new ideas out there, but I'm not looking forward to um, get anybody involved. It's, it's my personal situation, my personal path. And God has a little bit of a sense of humor by getting me here and having the story that I have where my name comes from a Jewish uh, Russian lady called Marina because my mom had to leave her family when she was uh, a little bit younger and she was in another family in the States. And when she was 20, she left the United States to go to the USSR. Um, and she met this lady and she got inspired by her. And she wrote a thesis about Jewish-Russian immigration to Germany. And there was a lot of people moving to Germany back in the 60s. And she knew a lot about the, that people and she knew a lot about the religion. And so she was inspired by this lady and her story, and she wanted her kids to have Jewish names. So me, uh, Rafael, God heals, and my sister, Talia. My sister's name is Tali. Tali. Same root word. Yeah. Um, so it, that's why we got those names, and that was important for us because it came from somewhere. It came from that story. It came from an appreciation of Jewish people and... Um, we've always admired uh, the stories, the people, and that that force and that resolve to to always uh, uh, to always be there, you know. And then now today, uh, they. The thing is now today um, that I live here and that I interact with a lot of people here, I realize that it's a it's a zero it's a zero one situation. Either you're zero and you're not part of the group, or you're inside the group and your full member yeah. and those those elements there's no in between situation you see you could have situations in america with a lot of reform um people a lot of reform jews who will be in in a sort of in between practice in between because of all with mixed marriages and all that but here it's really pretty much not the case in a yeah. lot of settings and a lot of religious settings that i've been to uh i've seen that yeah yeah no d for sure I think, you know, and, you know, you can't blame them, you know, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough situation, you know, I, I would say 
specifically what happened in, in, in the Holocaust in Germany, you know, the Ashkenazi specifically, you know, they, they're definitely want to keep it with themselves. And I would say Jewish people as a whole, even the Ethiopians, the Ethiopian Jews, the Sephardic, you know, you, you tend to have this, uh, camaraderie mm. that, that keeps you, mm. uh, keeps you together, you know, unless you were born, you know, for me, I was born in America, you know, unless you have like this kind of like more international, uh, mindset, but mm. I think I read some stat. It was, it's an American stat. Like 25% of people uh, have a passport. And of that, 25% have left the country. I was like, what? That's crazy. But then I realized mm. like the people I hang out with are more, you know, maybe more have more money or are more open-minded. So they travel. But, you know, a lot of people, most people are just like, I want to do things with my people. You know, mm. even the people that are Muslim or even Arab, you know, they, they see somebody that looks like them that has similar culture. They see it. Okay. It's an easy path for trust in a place where it's a bit combative. So it definitely uh it's it's it makes sense but also it's 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 disheartening and it's a little bit uh it's not as effective you know you want you want different perspectives you want people that think differently that see things in a different way than you do at least for me so yeah i think uh it's going to be interesting what you what like you mentioned kind of your path with uh with i guess faith and what you're going through is, is that kind of, are there things that you're going to be kind of looking for in your path to archeology span or? Um, there's a lot to, there's a lot to discover here. Uh, recently, uh, a team uh, with the University of Tel Aviv discovered a, a portal in Northern Israel that is uh, 4,000 years old, leading to what, what the remains of a city. Wow. So what could be a new, um, new achievement, a new, a new element to the story, a new um, look. Do I believe everything? Do I look forward to believing more or less? I don't know. I'm discovering as I go along. And I want to share um, what I can objectively find with um, my comrades. I just, I just got into the program, so it's freshly new. All, all of this is very new for me. And I go back to the stories that I've heard and and the significance of Hebrew in my belief now today. Because when I hear a lot of people tell me, um, okay, I, I don't know about making Aliyah, uh, I'll hear people say all the time, oh, um, if God wants it. And I would just tell them casually, well, you, you don't speak his language right now. Lang the language is Hebrew. You'll get the answers a little bit, you know, a clearer idea, a clearer picture once you get to the Hebrew. Um, one element also is that a lot of people talk about Ten Commandments, but it's actually the Ten Words, like the Ten, you know, Dibrayot, Dibraya, Asara Dibraya, Asara Dibrot. It's the Ten Things, Davar, stuff, things, and Ten Sayings, in a way, Ten um, Words. When you say, Medaber, Ani Medaber, I speak. And in the, in the story, when they received the Ten Commandments, they, it's, it's said that they could hear what they saw. So this, this idea of Ten Commandments does not grasp the fullness of the text, the fullness of everything you can learn about it. And once you know more Hebrew, you're getting more close to the text. Definitely. In your, only, in your belief and, and your faith. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and you can definitely... Uh, no, like for me, I'm, I'm Jewish, but also I'm, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. I believe in Jesus. That's part of my faith. 
And for me, as I study it more and as I learn more Hebrew, um, you definitely start to understand more what is going on in a more accurate way once you know once you know the Hebrew. But obviously, you know, context reinforces, you know, certain verses and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, that that's, I would say, a large percentage of why I want to uh, learn Hebrew. But also, you know, I want to navigate, you know, this country effectively. And you, you need to learn Hebrew to do that. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, you know, going back to what you're saying, like you're discovering things that um, may enforce or not enforce your perspective on God. Um, I always think about, you know, no matter how much data or no matter how much evidence we discover, it's still going to take uh, an element of, of faith. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have a spectrum and you want to close that that gap if you're a skeptical person. Like I'm a very skeptical person. I'm, I'm, I'm a very open-minded person. So even if I have a particular hypothesis or something I have conviction about, I'm always going to have that element of doubt or element of, well, what about this? Well, yeah. what about that? You know, so even if you we were to discover something, there's always that hint of, well, you know, you weren't, I, I wasn't there when, you know, Jesus or Moses. Yeah, I, I didn't walk around with the dude. Yeah. Yeah, at the yeah, end of the so day. I didn't, I didn't really see that for myself. Yeah. What's been your, your thought process on that? Uh, the best, um, there's a phrase I, there's a reverend somewhere who talked about faith. And he asked this question. And it also resonates with me with what, what, a, what a rabbi in New York talked about, about faith. He said, so what's the contrary of faith? Mm. What's the opposite? You know, what's the, the opposite of faith? Um, I guess like absolute cynicism, maybe. He said it's certainty. Oh, certainty. Okay. Because when you have certainty, you don't need faith. Mm. You got 100%. You're certain. No need for faith anymore. No need to even doubt. No need, no need to think about it. No need to... No need to have the faith necessary to ask anything. You're certain. Yeah. You're certain. Like, so, I don't need to have faith that we're in this room right now, you know, because I see it. Right. I feel it. And that, that, that's really, for me, the most important part is that, look, faith is about putting your trust in something that you don't fully understand. and You're not completely sure at 100%. And that just makes you kind of you know, part of society, because otherwise, if you were certain of what you believe at 100%, then that's where, you know, religious wars come from. And you're certain that this guy's going to hell, and this guy's going to heaven, and this, you know, and it starts getting really complicated, because there's no room for the other anymore. There's no room for that question mark. And when I learned that, as an example, the word ulai, maybe in Hebrew, mm-hmm the same root as the word for God in Hebrew. Hmm. So God could be a question mark, could be just, you know. Like Adonai? Question, or? Not Adonai, but uh, Elohim, Elohim, you know. Okay. Elohim, Elohim, so. Okay. Um, El, like in Yoel, Raphael, Daniel. That El, that God, that one unique God, is a question mark. Yeah. It, it's something that is a, it, it's a maybe. So in a way, um, I like to go back to the root of the word and think about it because you hear all sorts of people have really strong beliefs and then you make your own you you make your own understanding of what is there what is there you know and um i would like to share with people that for me knowing that the l 
is a question mark, is an interrogation, is a maybe, forces me to go look for it, forces me to look for it. And one pastor told me one day, I thought I was going to get more answers as I go along in life. Now I have more questions. Mm. And I thought, okay, that's for me. Interesting. That's very interesting for me. I want to keep diving into that, you know, that thought process. Um, one guy that I met back at the American Church in Paris a couple of years ago was uh, an atheist that was super convinced about his atheism, about the non-existence of God, which is a belief system. You yeah. Know? And he got into he got into Jesus, but like hardcore. And he walked up to me one day in a church that I've been going to for the past 10 years saying to me, oh, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You know, looking at me like you don't have the Holy Spirit. Okay, who are you again? <laughs> and who am I to say that you don't have, you know. And again, I think when you have this well, sort you? of. <laughs> you know, the, right, that's, no, but, but like, that's the deeper question is what gives you the right to say that, whether it's true or not. I right, think. exactly. Like, like what, what are you harassing people for? You know, yeah. what are you? And I think the best the best way to get people to not go um, towards religion and towards a belief system like uh, like Christianity is that you get a madman in the middle of a, a city just screaming that everybody's going to hell. And, and yeah. for this and that reason and for this and that part of the text you know and this guy was so certain you know and i thought to myself he had the same certainty two years ago about not believing in god and god does not exist and suddenly so certain of the complete opposite yeah. and again it's that certainty element mm. like his credibility i mean if we're talking about this isolated person his credibility is a little bit shot with you i would say because he was certain about this now he's certain about that i don't know if you're certain about your opinion about me um, no, that's super interesting. I would say, I, I think the issue is a lot of people, they don't have the best uh, ability. They, they, they don't, even if they're, you know, God-fearing, Holy Spirit, peaceful people, they're, that doesn't always mean you're going to be a good communicator. That doesn't always mean that you're going to be, you know, you're on the necessarily the right path, right? Like you have people that are Jewish, Muslim, you know, a Christian that, are awful people, but also are great people, you know? So there's definitely a, a, a wide spectrum, but uh, going back to, to, to what you're talking about when it comes to reading the text, I think like that is like, there's such beauty in, in that book and in the depth of it that you can read it multiple times and you're going to get so many different things out of it every, every time you go through it. Um, what have you gone deeper into it or have you just kind of just surface level, like dabbled into the text? Um, I went to different courses um, with the American Church in Paris uh, for the past 10 years before I came to Israel. Before I came to Israel, I did also he like more like translation of Hebrew, biblical Hebrew from the Bible, going through a bunch of um, elements with a class and and looking at looking at the imagery, looking at the the symbolic imagery of of uh, a rock in the middle of the desert that is producing, you know, honey. Uh, was there actually a rock producing honey? You know, anybody, anybody can say yes, no. And going to the shiurim with the rabbis that I met, and I respect them, I respect them really highly. I, I do consider what they say to be very interesting and very, um, 
and and it's helped me grow so far in my own uh, understanding in my own uh, belief system right now because it's a work in progress um, I'm 25 I don't think I know everything and so I need people to show me I need people to question I need people to get um, people that have learned they've been through these uh, these uh, yeshiva schools they've been through a, a thought process they've been learning for a while and to get their interpretation of what's going on now um, there's there's different stories that might get you a little iffy, get you a little, huh, okay, that's dark, all right. Yeah. <laughs> do I want to put that into the basket? Do I want, do, do I want everything to be just, just... Um, what do you mean? I mean, it's all, Give me an it's example, not just people. rainbows and everything's fine, guys. You know, there's stories out there that are, that are deeply troubling, you know. The story of Pinchas uh, killing, uh, killing a fellow Jew because he's... Um, he insulted Moses and he's getting into a tent mm. to, um, to have sex with a, 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 non, uh, a non-believer and he just kills both of them. Mm. And it's said in the text that it's coming from, you know, divine inspiration and it's, you know, it's, it's, so it was the right thing to do. Yeah. So there's, there's elements that can be problematic for people, but then again, that's why you need to study. That's why you need to go back to more studies. And people, look, everybody's living in 2023. We got this text. Now what do we do with it? Do we just, you know, not deal with that? Or do we dive into that and look for, look for answers in our world today? And archaeology. And archaeology <laughs> is, a, is a tool. And that's why I'm, you know, I'm passionate about that. I don't have the answers to everything. I don't have diplomas in, in this. I've been through different shiurim. And I've seen, uh, when I talk about my own personal story with rabbis, I've seen them uh, open up and, and be more, um, um, more, let's say, more open to the idea of me being here with them because I'm listening and I'm not intervening and, and saying, oh, I'm right because I understood something really different. But because they see the, the, the real, you know, intimate quest for, um, for the text and for the stories. Mm. Yeah, no, I think the, <clears throat> I think racism or skepticism about a particular group of people is usually generated by lack of exposure to that particular group. Definitely. Um, and you know, the, but specifically the Orthodox Jewish community, I mean, that's as isolated, intentionally isolated as it kind of gets. So it makes sense while, while they're a little bit more apprehensive to outsiders, I would say. Yeah. And they're fearful of what's going on here. Um, they're fearful of a lot of chilonim, of a lot of people who don't practice, who don't believe, who don't, who don't, who should be practicing and they would like them to do that, but they, they see they're losing, they're losing them in a way. The degeneracy. They, they, feel, they feel like, like they're losing them. And they're afraid of people like me contributing to that. Mm. You see, mm. as long as you have, and I've talked with a, a friend of mine who went through a Lubavitch conversion for about three years in New York and ended up dropping out of it. And he would tell me, as what is long, that by the way? Lubavitch conversion? The, like it's a very, uh, you know, highly orthodox. Very, okay, got it, got it, got very it. To get into it. Yeah, he's he's in a conversion for you know for a while, got it. Uh, for a long time, and they have a lot of rules, a lot of uh, 
they go uh, they go a step further than everybody else got it okay keep going and this guy would tell me like everything was cool and fine when he was going towards that lifestyle when he was going towards that life because there's no element of your life that is not jewish mm. so mm-hmm. everything is jewish in your life mm-hmm. once you're converting you're doing everything every thought process you're starting the day with modea nicole boke and you keep going yeah. and every aspect every minute is jewish about you so he told me that one at one point you know you you yeah you go towards that lifestyle now I I don't know if I'm going to be going at a at a hundred percent. I don't know what I'm going to be doing, because um, I'm still um, oh it's still uh, it's still you know question marks. There's still question marks, and I want to leave those question marks there and add a, a couple of question marks to that. To that but you'd pile. like to be here, preferably. Yes, because look, when you're here, you definitely feel more alive. Mm. I would do. agree. Um, it's very tough to be here. I, I, th- I think a lot of people who come here for spiritual reasons find that this is life-changing to be here. Mm-hmm. They never expected it to be this hard. And some people, unfortunately, go back uh, to France, America. The numbers are not clear, but you would have around 30% of the alia that end up in a return to the place where they started from. And that might not even necessarily be because they don't like it. It might be work. No, no, family. it's work. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah work, that's what I'm Finding economic freedom here is difficult. Yeah, it's not easy. Um, but it's you, nice struggling with everyone. That's what I always yeah. say. <laughs> you know, it's nice when everyone like no, there's no like big baller that know, has a Bentley no, across true, the street. True, true. But you want to know the the funny thing is, I think I'm more lucky that I don't have right now the nationality because I have to do everything by myself. What do you mean? Like, once you have the nationality, you hop off the plane, you get Ulpan for free. Yeah. You get governmental help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's good for them. It's great. Do that. Great. And I have a friend, he missed out on a lot of uh, Ulpan. And you see tendencies where when you're struggling this much as I am here, then you have to work as as hard as you can to be here, to prove and to show your worth and and to not be seen as as a... Freeloader. Yeah, and and and, um, and somebody who should not be here, mm. mm-hmm. and so you put in the work, the effort, and eventually, uh, with a little help from God and a lot of uh, hard work, things happen. And that first edge, that first element, is what I believe in. Is what I believe in because once you put your mind to something and you work for it, then there's going to be a little bit of a divine edge that's going to make things even better, make things even. You know, even more successful. But it's coming from you from the start. That yeah. original spark. And what I love about um, Jewish philosophy um, and, and like this idea of what makes you Jewish. You know, a good question that David Shawat, uh, a tour guide, talked about and went to one of his conferences. And he said, philosophically, what does it mean? And he said, it's about going further going above reality mm. trying to go above the reality that we live in we're not content with the reality that we're living in right now so we go above and beyond mm. which are going further that's deep and he said that's what characterizes that identity and i was like wow that's deep i want to be a part of that but i know that i'm not a part of that you see what i mean so it's a situation where like you said some people will say oh you look ashkenazi but 
like that's just one element of the story. Uh, Ethiopian Jews, uh, Jews that are in India and Pakistan. Sephardic, um, yeah. I mean, a lot I, of. I, I would say, you know, going to that analogy again. This is obviously I have a biased perspective because I also follow Jesus, but hmm. I saw in the Old Testament God saying, "Hey, you're going to be my people. I'm going to." you know, give my word through you. You guys are going to be the ones that are set apart and then so on and so forth. So you guys, essentially what you were saying, that makes sense. You guys have to be the ones that are set apart. I'm going to be very, th this is early Israel. I'm going to make your lives so strict. You're going to have to unfortunately kill people that you may not see it as a big deal, but you're going to be so, um, at that particular time, again, I think right. he had different rules for for each 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 story each time but he said you guys are going to be i'm going to have i'm going to play no games with y'all because they're going to see you and they're going to think of me and it's all about identity because if you if you see like a, a, a follower of uh, jesus is um is a believer here um and around the world being Jewish is a practice, it's a culture, it's a civilization, it's an identity, it's a nation. It's very complex, there's a lot of detail to it. Um, and I like to say also that Hebrew was never a dead language. It was in a coma for a long time, mm. um, but people kept that spark, kept that flame going, um, even though you had situations where in the Soviet Union, people had to hide. Mm -hmm. uh, they were studying Torah and they had to hide and they got killed for it. Mm -hmm. And all these people that one day got to this point where, you know, next year in Jerusalem and they finally get on a boat and they see Jaffa for the first time in their lives and they start screaming because they're, they're getting to that point of the prophecy realizing for themselves, you know, they, they're in the story. They're in the story as it's moving forward and they're in that next chapter of the story. And when rabbis say, oh, my goodness, like my kids are playing in, in, in the playgrounds of Jerusalem, like, like it is written in our text. And you see that there's, not, there's nothing that can stop that story. There's nothing. Um, I think people that, you know, the they, anti-Semites around the world that talk about how this is a colonial force and they, they bring up... Uh, they bring up all sorts of BS to delegitimize de this country. Don't understand this country is here to stay and it's not going anywhere. Yeah. And well, it was already in control of different empires. So, I mean, I don't know what just because Israel was created. I mean, it was already it's been here, but it just got, you know, reestablished. But it wasn't like, you know, it was the Ottoman Empire and then the uh, it was the British mandate. But. Yeah, I mean, uh, I always, it's funny, I I did so much, before I made my, my return about three three months ago, I did so much research on, you know, because you see these people are so passionate about like, you know, free Palestine, you know, mm. um, you know, they're, they're killing us, you know, they're doing this and that. And then you have the other side being like, no, you guys are killing us, terrorist attacks. You know, obviously I have certain things I have personal experience with through family because, uh, you know, I'm you know, Israeli, but, you know, I did deep, deep research. But I think the, the, the funny thing is I was like, what's Zionism? You know, people are anti-Zionist. I'm like, okay, well, what's Zionist? Hmm. Oh, it just means, you know, you feel like Jew, Israelis should, Jewish people should have their homeland. Hmm. Okay. 
it's already done. So right. I don't know what the <laughs> argument is. Like, like my, my whole yeah. thought is like, <laughs> so for me now, now that I have these conversations, now that I know these things, I, this is always my opening question. Right. Do you feel that Israel has the right to exist? Of if course. your answer is of no, course. if your answer is no, there's literally, I can't even talk about it. I, I, there's, there's no there's conversation no, with there's me. There's no deal that you can make <laughs> now that you say that because Again, you're so far like, this way it, that I, you're not even in reality. You're not in reality. You're not in reality. And if here people are trying to go beyond reality because they're not content with reality, it brings about innovations that the world needs. You have a lot of breaking, uh, you know, breakthroughs in cancer research here, in agriculture, and too little people know in the world what Israel is doing for African countries in terms of water resources. Mm. And that technology is coming from that spirit of innovation that is here. Nowhere we else. We talked a little Nowhere bit about else that. again. Nowhere yeah. else. And again, look at the people that recognized Israel. A lot of, a lot of democratic uh, regimes, a lot of um, countries that do consider gay rights to be fundamental, you know, uh, human rights to be fundamental, right? And look at the people who recognize the state of Palestine. And you start understanding there's a club. There's, a, there's an element to it. Yeah. And I think that one day there needs to be a solution. And there has to be a solution. Because a, a one state for all these people living in the same land is not good enough. But a two-state solution is not good enough either. So e each option brings its challenges and its issues to the table. Yeah. Now, if you have a situation where I go to the beach and I meet some guy who lives in East Jerusalem, he's Arabic, right? And he's telling me about his situation. And then I asked him, what's the solution? Like, I want to find a solution. I, I, I want peace. I want, I want people to live in peace. Of course, everybody wants that. Of course. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> There's elements that don't. There's elements that want to keep the war going. Yeah. But let's find a solution. What's your, what's your proposal? And he tells me, so look, um, imagine somebody comes into your house and lives in your house, steals your whole house. And one day he's only occupying half of the house. And I tell him, what's the, okay, now what do we do? He's like, and I, what do you mean? Like, he needs to leave the other half of the house. And he's like, yeah, I need the whole house. Mm. So, look. Well, there was Jewish people already here, so I, I don't know what. See, I think a lot of people want to make it super simplistic, but it's not, unfortunately. You no. know, the history is really complicated because in reality, there was Jewish people already here, you know, and obviously this was Israel back in the day. You can, you know, study the texts and, and you'll right. know that. So it gets really complicated when should we again and yeah. this this I, I want to make this clear, too, because we have to be we have to be a uh, multivariant about this, because mm. do we condone everything the government does? Like me personally, I don't condone everything the government does. All uh, you know, there's certain things that we should be critical about any government that we're a part of. I but does that mean Israel should not exist? You've, a, you've gone too as far. A, as a foreigner here, I cannot, I cannot politically say anything about this country because I'm not uh, voting in this country. I don't have to like. I'm not. I'm not in the same boat as people here. 
Um, I have not lived through what people have lived through here. I'm only getting the information I'm getting from people I'm talking that I've been talking to, from my experience talking to people here, witnessing situations. Um, we can tell you're not American. Americans love talking about things that they don't, they have no experience <laughs> about. <laughs> no, but like it's just the nuance is difficult to grasp yeah. from outside the country. You need to be inside the country to understand I agree. the nuance, to understand the difficulties of the situation we're, we're in. And honestly, it's a very peaceful country. You know, I what's feel going safe on? Here. I feel safe here. You, you've, yeah, and, and you can see a lot of, of situations where you have mixed cities and you do have tensions, but it's not, it's not an open war. It's not, it's not the same as what some media outlets want to portray it is. Um, my, my understanding is that, look, you have, a, you have a difficult situation where you have a Palestinian village. And if you, do, if you dig around that village and you find ancient shekels from 2,000 years ago, from the period of the last temple, then you start understanding there's a problem of legitimacy because they're legitimate to be here and the other folks that are coming in from exile are also legitimate. Yeah. Um, so there's a narrative that's going around on each side with different stories, with different, you know, victimhood and all yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's not the French in Senegal. This is not a situation like the Belge, uh, the Belgium kingdom coming yeah. into Congo. Analogies and, are impossible almost. Right. And so I will not, I, I cannot accept the term colonialism because that's not what's going on. We're, we're talking about indigenous people here and everybody has a right to that story, to that legitimacy because they've all been here for quite some time. So who am I to judge? Nobody really. Yeah, it's uh, it's sad. You know, you want people to stop, you know, dying senselessly, on on both sides. You know, no one li no one likes people dying in any way, shape, or form. So, you know, one's more justified than another. Obviously, I'm biased. So, you know, obviously case by case basis. Right. But, you know, it's 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 not easy. But I would say day to day, you know, I feel safe you feel safe like i mean there's certain place and I, I think what why i feel safe is that the community of i would say the the jewish community is very tight in the sense of if you have a brother that's out here wild and you know being stupid obviously there's extremes you know the community is going to know that the community is going to you know it's interwoven it's kind of like an old-fashioned community you know back in the day even in america if you know your your neighbor's kid was acting up you'd spank him for, yeah. for the for yeah, the uh, for the parents but, uh, but now it's not the case in america in america these kids run wild being crazy well i would i would tell the people all over the world if you want to be a part of this country come now uh, be a part of it when things are still new things are still so brand new and you you should experience it for yourself and make your own conclusions because it's not somebody else's story that is going to be enough um what I've been going through for the past year is not enough. You need people to come here, experience, and make this country also, you know, a part of them. And it's very, it's very tough for me to understand when I meet somebody in a in a in an event in a shiul or 
whatever situation, I got into a situation at a Shabbat dinner with a lot of uh, religious kids, a lot of, uh, of guys of all ages, and we all had to say something in Hebrew, something really brief, just to present ourselves, you know, say, Ani Rafael, Shmi Rafael, whatever, you know, Ben Isrim, you know, Ben Isrim Verba. And this guy, who had made Aliyah just a couple months before, said, no, I'm not going to do that. And he said, why would you have a Turk speak Hindi? Like, he's not Indian. He was, he was comparing, like, a situation where we would ask a Turk to speak Hindi mm. or, like, a language that he doesn't speak. Was he Jewish or no? Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought to myself, dude, you just made Aliyah, you know? Well, does he know, he, does he know Hebrew? No, but you can say Shmi. You can just say mm. some, some few words, and, mm. and you're here to stay. That's the idea, you know. <laughs> so, so it, it's effort, not, bro. Yeah, just, just, you know, please come on. Like, I love this language. I'm, I'm, I want to be here. You know, I love this place, and and I love its its culture and its its language and everything. And and I've uh, I've experienced that feeling, kind of like, what are, what are you doing here? Like, again, tell me taking about it for granted. The, yeah, taking it for granted. But of, of course, like everybody's different and you have so many different ways to be Jewish. And that's what also, also makes it all, uh, all fascinating. And, uh, I appreciate it a lot. I went to a Shabbat lunch just yesterday. And when, when I told about my situation here, a lady was like, wow, I really appreciate what you're doing because I don't know any non-Jews that are not anti-Semitic, you know, anti Wow. And she was like, That's, really, that makes sense, actually, knowing the environment, unfortunately. And, and I was like, wow, I was not believing what she was telling me because she felt really strongly about the fact that it was unsafe. It was, it was getting more and more unsafe to be Jewish in the different diasporas. And when you talk to people, you realize that the conversation 10 years ago about what are the biggest challenges for the Jewish people did not mention as much anti-Semitism. And mm. now you go to every person today in the diaspora and they'll tell you the same thing all the time about anti-Semitism on the oh, rise. Like the people that don't live in... Uh, they don't live in Israel. Mm. And because of the news that you're getting yeah. outside of Israel, about Israel, then I got a bone a to pick. I got a bone to pick with the social media stuff. Because now, like... A lot of these accounts, they they need more. Con they feed it. I think they feed the anti-Semitism when right. it's a lot of it is also with black people. Like I saw, I saw a uh, headline today, CNN: three black men murdered. Hate, it was a hate crime or whatever. I'm like, dude, two like it sucks well, that three did, black people did, died. They did find a swastika on the on the guy's uh, stuff. So it, yeah, but it it's is, it's um, feeding into uh, like. Uh, it doesn't help is what I'm saying. It feeds into this whole like tension that may not even really be grounded in reality when it's like, okay, that isolated situation. Yeah, maybe it was, but they have to mention it to like stir the pot, to get clicks, to have people share it to black people be like, look, Hey, look, they're killing us. They're killing us, right. blah, blah, blah. And like, right. you know, but it's like, bro, th this is the thing that kind of bothers me is like, people feeding and like right when you start to make progress maybe there's actual progress people mm. like to highlight the the issues maybe they're even fewer than before right but the and media just wanna, blows it up like everybody wants to go with the story that they love and they they they, they think is um is um gonna help them make a point they're not yeah. a lot of people like i see this all the time with social media here 
um, a lot of people will use a footage of a of a of a soldier, an Israeli soldier, a police officer that's that is violently pushing a, an old lady, yeah. uh, an Arab lady in Jerusalem, and they'll say that's uh, proof of apartheid. Yeah, and you see that video and. I know that if you keep watching that video that yeah. is not edited, you see that they're in the middle of a terror situation with a guy who's got a knife. Yeah. And he's moving that lady off because he needs a clear but potential shot with his gun, you know, to make on this guy yeah. who's got a, a knife. And that was just like two days ago. Yeah. And then I don't want to I don't want to get too much into that story because I've never I've never been to the Palestinian uh, territories. Um, yeah, I don't I, know I what's going. going on. Like, I don't know what's going on. You know, I don't know what's going on exactly. Yeah. And I think people need to understand that we're all we're all struggling to understand, even if we live here and if even if people have been here for so long and everybody's going with their interpretation of the situation. Mm. Um, when you have when you have an active situation and you're not sure about what's going on, um, you should be very careful of what's going around social media because uh, every side has their potential to keep going with the conflict, will keep going with that rage. And you never know. You never know what you're posting, what you're sharing, and it's difficult. Fact-checking is difficult in a time and age when AI can do all sorts of crazy stuff with the information that you're being fed. So be careful. Um, uh, like to go back to the situation of, of um, anti-Semitism in the world and all that, you're right. Uh, the lack of exposure, the lack of knowledge, the lack of understanding of this culture, of this civilization is a big issue. And out of the hundreds of thousands of tourists that come here to Israel, two little um, non-Jewish people come here and actually experience what's going on here, actually see what's going on, actually hear the muazin and, and the prayer and the Muslim prayers go off where that would not be possible in a lot of different countries in the West. And they have to understand when they come here that's very different from the observations and the, the thought process they might have had in the past. When they think of Zionism, that it's not as diabolical yeah. As you would think, because a lot of people would say it's right up there with colonialism. You know, it's right up there in the same, you know, framework. And when I was a kid, I, I thought that Yasser, Araf, uh, I thought that Yasser Arafat was a good guy because of the fact that everybody thought that way on the left. Mm. A lot of people, young people on the left, were in the same package of the of the narrative on a lot of um, on a lot of the minds out there in France was that free Palestine was part of the package with LGBT rights yeah with it's, a lot of, it's very democratic in America right and so you have a lot of that and so if you get involved and you get interested and you start learning about the situation you start understanding it's way more complicated than black and white and that's why people need to come here I highly advise anybody out there to make that trip to see what's going on. Not um, always the most affordable, depending on where you're coming from. But if you can't do the research, if you can't save up, come up. Yeah, I agree. 
and talk to people that've been there talk to people that have uh, that are attached to the country in some way and talk to palestinians that are in that are all over the world and ask them ask, also ask good about questions their ask good questions too right and the 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 thing again like the thing is the anti-semitism is on the rise and anti-zionism is just kind of the package that the the gateway drug right the 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 packaging of anti-semitism it's the nicer kind of um imagery and kind of it's a it's it's a mask on what is actually behind which is anti-semitism and that's that's just clear to me do Now. you think uh i mean obviously we're having open discussion about this because for me i i, I see it too uh, but for me i i <laughs> I'm so, uh, I hate fear mongering and I hate mm -hmm. people that abuse people's trauma. Mm -hmm. It's funny. One of the, I follow this anti-Semitism account and, uh, they were saying something about, uh, how Kennedy kind of had a, a discussion about the, uh, the, the, the vaccine. And right. he was talking about how, you know, yeah. so the, I think it was, he's like a Cleveland university study said that the, there's two genes or there's two demographics that actually like when they had COVID, they actually um, had more of a tolerance to it. And that was Asian people and uh, Jewish people. And um, he was, they posted this video as if he was like, I don't like Jewish people, blah, 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 blah. And I think his wife is, is Jewish, I think. And, uh, for me, I was like, I commented, I was like, can we please stop abuse, like utilizing people, like people's like, traumas like, for right, clicks? And, and you know that this is not, and like that got so many likes and people right. commenting and be like, yo, I agree. Because like, it gets to a point where you start, if you say something too much, it starts to lose its value. And when it actually occurs, you're going to be like the person who cried a wolf. No one's going to believe it. People are like, okay, you say everything's anti-Semitic, whatever, whatever. So mm. I think we have to be really wise about using it. You know, I think we have a lot of trauma and a lot of, it's a sensitive issue, but it, it needs to be, it needs to be with wisdom. I don't think we've used it inappropriately, but I'm saying like, there are people that do, and I think it's something that we need to pay attention to also. Um, anti-Semitism anti is a clear hatred of people, of, yeah. of people that are human beings who, who love their children, who do everything to work hard, who, who don't deserve any bit of it, any part of it, and who, who have been the moral compass of the world in so many ways, and to... To say, I mean, look, it's 0.19% of the world population that we're talking about. And having so many people focus on them and putting that pressure and putting all that hate for so little of a, of a, of a number of people in the world, it's quite devastating. It's quite shocking, you know, because we're human beings and we have, we, nobody deserves to treat people like that way. And yeah. And the thing is, today, when somebody says something anti-Semitic, you know, a hate uh, speech, anti-Semitic, you need to speak up. You need to speak up out there. It can't just be the same, the same Jewish uh, activists out there. You need more non-Jewish activists out there that are that are showing that it's not tolerable. It's not tolerable because what's what's the message behind it is that we don't care. That we don't focus enough on this issue when clearly it's all over the place all the time in social media. So not accepting that is one thing. 
and, and again, talking about the root of the problem. I love history, and a couple years ago, I learned that Louis, Saint Louis for the Catholics, um, Louis the Ninth for everybody else, the King Louis, who did a lot of crusades in the land of Israel, did a decree back in France saying that Jewish people did not have the right to own land. So if you cannot own land, you cannot farm on that land, you cannot produce on this land, you don't own the land. So what is left? All of the service jobs. Yeah. And the Catholics would not allow uh, other Catholics to uh, have to use uh, money to make uh, to make money like um, I'm trying to find the word now. I, I lost it. Um, to uh, to profit off of money and to like create oh, a bank. Oh, charges, charge interest. Yeah, charge interest. So charging interest in the Catholic world at that time was not allowed for yeah. anybody. So who had to, to who had to do it? Jewish yeah. people. Yeah. A lot of the time, Jewish people were the tax collectors. Yeah. So the people were uh, were looking at them with a with the evil eye of oh my goodness you killed Jesus and you're ta you're taxing me yeah you have and this crummy job they were always yeah they were always used and once they were used they were tossed off somewhere else yeah and you have all sorts of stories like that where why did we get to the situation we're in where a lot of people say oh you have uh, you have so many Jewish people in this area of the economy yeah because. Christians pushed them in that area, basically speaking, and they had no other choice but to be in that. Or area certain of Christians, the Christians wouldn't do those particular jobs. Exactly, like they wouldn't get. They saw. I think they saw like entertainment as like a demonic or dark industry. They saw um, charging interest, banking as a, a kind of a dark industry. Um, there are certain things that they just wouldn't get medicine into. also because they they weren't look. I mean, uh, during the um, the Black Plague. You had a lot of stories about how people thought that Jewish people um, were poisoning the whales, were poisoning the water. Mm. No, they were just cleaning their hands. They were washing their hands. Mm. They knew better. Mm. They were better because they already had a, a, an understanding and they were washing their hands and nobody was washing their hands. So mm. There you go. And a lot, of, um, a lot of people that say all the time, oh, um, you know, you got, you got too much influence. We're talking about 0.19% of the population. They don't have that much influence. They just, it's not, it's not that all like that. And, and look, well, I think and that that's like a, that's just such a, I, whenever I like, when people are like, well, they don't have like, even if they do, someone's going to do it. So like, I, I think that that's even like more of like a counter, like when people are like, well, they don't mm. have it. It's like, even if they do, let them do their thing. Like, you know, if it's Ashkenazi, if it's whatever, yeah, yeah, like yeah, no, no one, no one is going to complain if, and, if, if, and if the Arabs yeah, have a lot of influence. Yeah, no one's going to complain if, uh, you know, English people have a lot of influence. No one's going to complain. But this is this, this you, is the logic fail that is can be dangerous, which is like, oh, well, well, what if they do? When when this, <laughs> when the when the Spanish crown decided to kick all the Jews out, their economy took a hit and. What happened later on is that there were studies done that proved that they were beneficial to Spanish society in so many ways. When a lot of Jewish um, Portuguese uh, people, that community in uh, Porto, left because they were chased out and, you know, they, they didn't get to return. They went to Holland and in Holland they got an opportunity to work in one of the, the, the islands and one of the, the trade over there and they were able to be successful. 
and to contribute to the success of that country. And today we talk a lot about, you know, the devastation of here and and the people that had to go and leave in 48, all the Arabs in the villages that had to leave. And there's been a lot of issues there and a lot of... Um, and there's been a massacre in, in a couple of villages. Yes, there's been massacres there in a, in a situation of war between Arab armies around the newly state, the newly state of Israel. Yeah. On a Tuesday, you had a guy that had lived through the most horrific, horrible part of the history of our humanity, the Shoah. On a Tuesday, he got off the boat in Haifa. On that, on that Saturday of that week, he had a gun to defend his country. Hmm. And that's what people need to understand is that a lot of Jewish people cannot return back to a lot of Arab countries that they were pushed out of. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about victims. We need to go forward now. We need to find solutions now and stop doing victim blame all the time because yeah. that's not going to be helpful in the long, nah. in the long process uh, for the economy, for people in general, for their livelihoods. For their yeah, mental health. <clears throat> for sure. Yeah. Uh, Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think uh, we have a lot to uh, we have a lot more to talk about, but we've reached our uh, our time. Good talking to you. Uh, anything else you, you want to uh, say? Any sounding uh, ending statements? I'm just I'm just one guy uh, that's been that's been living here for one year. So talk to other people, get multiple perspectives, um, ask people that have been uh, have who have citizenship here who are not israel who are not uh, jewish that are jewish speak to, speak to different people that come from different cities from different backgrounds from different perspectives to make yourself a better idea of the complexity of the place that i live in israel right now thank you for your time for sure well all right guys don't forget to like subscribe leave a comment um, anything to, you know, any of your thoughts, you know, we try to talk about controversial issues. So, you know, if you have, if you disagree with us, if you agree with us, you know, let us know. But right now we're sending off. Peace.